What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum more. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. everybody and welcome to punch it writing in star trek my name is charlene schmidt and with me as always is tristan riddell tristan how the heck are you buddy i'm doing better now that we're podcasting it together because it's always a fun time and there's something that i want to tell you about before i forget so a long long time ago back in the day uh there was a comic book series done by marvel called what if oh no kidding what they would do is, I loved it when I was a kid because that was always one of my favorite things about comic books is because you had so many different storylines, you had so many different universes, but specifically with the what if storylines, they would have stuff like, what if Captain America never went missing during World War II? You know, what uh-huh. would that look like? Uh-huh. Or like, what if, um, what if somebody else got irradiated with a like the Hulk other than Bruce Banner, you know, like what, what would that look like at that time or like, and, and, and so it was a way to let the fanboys calm down and just postulate for a little bit. Like, what would this look like? You don't have to worry about canon or continuity or anything like that. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because Disney is coming out with their own streaming service and they just greenlit a special anthology TV show devoted to what-if scenarios within the Marvel Universe. Oh, hey, cool. And (laughs) relating this to Punch It, I've said a couple times, I think, off mic and maybe through text, we probably should have called this show What If because that is something that we've been doing a lot of lately. And we absolutely love it. We love doing What If Stories. It's one of our favorite things to do on this show, and that is exactly why I brought it up. Uh, but <laughs> today isn't necessarily a what if. This uh, is more of a, what would yeah. you call it? I don't know. Maybe instead of a what if, I don't know if it's really a switcheroo because we're not switching with anybody. But what we are doing is we are taking, well, I'm actually pretty jazzed about what we're doing because we've not really touched on Discovery at all on this show as a main topic. We've talked about it at the start of the show But we are actually going to play with the Discovery characters today. We're going to take story threads of the Discovery characters and see if we can put them on other characters in other shows in the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, that involves like maybe a a little bit of uh, character motivations, character backstories, as well as plot lines and storylines and things like that. Like how those work in TNG or Deep Space Nine or Voyage or Enterprise, original series or in, in the movies and things like that. How would that all fit? in the Star Trek universe if Discovery didn't exist, but we wanted to use those plot lines. But before we get into that, we have a five-star review, don't we? We do. So hooray, hurrah. Thank you for writing this review. The person's username is I, and this is a UK person. So thank you very much for taking the time. 
And this person says, uh, love this show being punched into my feed every week. So many other podcasts try and match the storytelling and chemistry of Tristan and Char when it comes to Trek, but these guys are the original and the best. How about hey. that, man? I'm feeling good now. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great review. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think this individual wrote uh, a review on Nerd Nuptial as well. Oh, cool. So this person listens to Nerd Party Podcasts. Yes, thank you so much, uh, listener, for enjoying multiple Nerd Party podcasts, and uh, which is something that all of you guys should be doing. Because if you like what we're doing, if you like what we're talking about, and you like Star Trek or something else in fandom and geek culture and everything like that, please go to thenerdparty.com because we have so many cool shows with so many great hosts giving you content in Star Trek, Star Wars, Harry Potter, film, television, Doctor Who, so many different types of fandom and different types of of, of hosts, and it's it's really great. I I really like our network, and so I really want you guys to explore. Yeah, it's good stuff all around. I, I love our diversity. The fact that we have this family of podcasts that covers so many different aspects of pop culture, and uh, I want to give a special shout out to Lee and Dallas on. Uh, both filibuster and a24 project they're just killing it man with their interviews and whatnot they're great they're getting some really really great interviews because what these guys are doing and and i want to echo what shard has said like really check out filibuster or the a24 project or both because what they do is they'll go to film festivals and they will get interviews with directors and actors like i think their latest big interview was with bo burnham who yeah. is a stand-up comic who then became a director of the movie eighth grade and right. it's just i mean the fact that they're able to get these interviews and and be as professional as they are in this in this kind of world is fantastic and we really do value the talent that they bring to the table so everyone should check it out most definitely. Uh, the, yeah, they're fantastic interviewers, really good stuff. And so just a little extra shout out for them because that's uh, a part of the nerd party that a lot of us don't really dip our toes into. We're not seeking interviews, but they do such a great job. And there are folks over in the UK. A absolutely. And I'll, I'll, speaking of the UK, like in speaking of, of Time and Space, which is our, um, of our Doctor Who show, they travel to London. They go yes. to conventions. They're, they're a couple, and so they're experiencing all these things together. And so, and they, they share those experiences on their show while talking about Doctor Who. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a great way to share their experiences via podcast and as well as their expertise. That's right. And speaking of which, yours truly was on the most recent show talking about the first time I'm watching the 2005 reboot of Doctor Who. I'm going through it, and so I'm giving that first-timer's perspective because the only other Doctor Who I've watched so far is the 13th and latest Doctor. So, oh, really? That, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm just starting to get into the fandom, and it's all Philip's fault. <laughs> and I got to meet up with him and his wife, Jessica, who hosts Time and Space uh, last month, and it was a blast. We had a good time. So check that out if you're into Doctor Who. All right. Let's talk about our show. Let's, Let's do, do that. Show. Let's get back to Star Trek. Star Trek. So... In terms of Discovery characters, I feel like the first and best place to start is Michael Burnham. So, with Michael... <laughs> Why so the did biggest, you just say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, but it, it felt appropriate. Like, it, it felt okay. like I We're was thinking go about Michael. 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 So it's Dr. With, Evil. With Michael, I feel like there's a few things that are very 
very Michael. Like, okay, raised by Vulcans, but not Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a mutineer. That was the first thing I thought of is, could we translate that to another character and would it work or not? And I don't think we necessarily have to take both things into another character or... How about this? Let, let's take it from two fronts. Let's find a show where Michael the individual, like Michael exists as Michael. Uh-huh. Put her on the show. Where What other show would she fit in? And then let's also say like, okay, uh, if we didn't want to take that character, what characteristics of that could we apply to somebody else? Digging it. Let's go for that. So part one, if we're going to insert Michael Burnham onto a series, which one would it be? I feel like TOS, I think, would be a little too, like, because you would need something with continuity in order to have those kind of characteristics. It's a little too close to Discovery. I kind of don't want to go for TOS. Would Enterprise be an interesting dynamic just because of the relationship with Vulcans at that point? I mean, that'd be some serious retconning. I don't know about that. I don't know, because also when you think about the mutineering, like, Starfleet didn't even exist yet. Right. Okay. Also, a mutiny would be far more controversial in the 24th century. So I think that's where it probably would need to lie. Like TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. I'm going to say it would be like, I cannot. TNG would be too weird, I think. Yeah, I have a hard time envisioning how that would work just because, (laughs) and forgive me, people are so compliant on the Enterprise D. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Nobody's going to betray Jean-Luc Picard. But what about on Voyager? What That's if where my Michael Burnham was a member of the Maquis? She and Seska start teaming up and they try to recruit Bolana into staging a mutiny. Oh, so, okay. So you're a ma- Okay. My brain went to a little bit different place. So like this would be Ooh. Michael Burnham post-mutiny. I feel like... She would be on, I'd say she would kind of be like a Paris character, maybe even replace Paris, where oh. she was a mutineer, like say that she mutinied on some ship, and then she, she had jail time. She spent her jail time, or maybe got out for some reason, or maybe the Maquis broke her out, or maybe she was a part of something where the, like she did break out, and the Maquis took her in because she had nowhere else to go, because she was cached out of, uh, cached, cashiered? Cashiered. Thank that's you. What, <laughs> that's what that's Tommy wrong. said. <laughs> um, out of Starfleet. And then she winds up in the Delta Quadrant because she co- becomes a part of Chicote's ship. And so that's where we have to deal with a character where people know who she is. Like, it's not just like, oh, I right. heard about what Tom did. It's like, no, everybody knows Michael Burnham. Everybody knows that she's the mutineer. Uh-huh. And, yep, and so, that reputation. And so she's the one who has the reputation. And no one wants to get close to her except maybe one person and maybe like Tuvok. Like she tries to strike up a, a relationship, a friendship, a working relationship with Tuvok. And like he tries to help her get readjusted. But there's that friction. I see. I very much see that happening at Voyager instead of a mutiny happening on Voyager because of Michael Burnham. Okay. Yeah. I definitely see why your mind went there first. It would also be really cool to see that dynamic between Michael and Tuvok, since she was raised by Vulcans, mm-hmm. reaching out to the only, well, not the only other Vulcan on the ship, but the most prominent, highest ranking Vulcan on the ship. There is Vorik, but maybe she doesn't care about him. <laughs> 
I would love to see a relationship build where it's more antagonistic at first, where Tuvok, he is a Vulcan, and so they have that connection. But at the same uh-huh. time, because he is a tactical and security officer, the idea of disobeying your captain and getting them killed and starting a war is so repugnant to him. Now, obviously, what I just said is repugnant to anybody, but specifically <laughs> to Tuvok, he wants nothing to do with her. And maybe Janeway is the one who kind of goes to Tuvok and says, maybe you need to lighten up a little bit. We're going to be working together for a long time. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally see how that could happen. I also like the idea of just her replacing Tom Paris. I think for our part two, I think it would just be we would mold that onto Paris, I think. Uh Uh-huh. So really, I mean, his crime might have been a little heavier with with Mm -hmm. a mutiny on his hands but i love the idea like the bad reputation still becomes friends with harry maybe yeah i think so yeah yeah okay that does seem like the easiest translation and then of course if you have higher tensions with the maquis what side is michael gonna take because you immediately think oh you mutinied you're gonna be the rebel you're gonna go with the rebel alliance basically Mm -hmm. or are you right right yeah that would make it very interesting. And I think the only thing that wouldn't work with Tom, like grafting that on, is 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 the Vulcan thing, like being raised by Vulcans, unless unless like he was he was a foster child with Vulcans and got out as soon as he turned sixteen or eighteen. And he was just like, Oh my god, like I can't I could not stand Vulcan. Like yeah, that is so this. not me. Yeah, maybe maybe Michael slash Tom got emancipated or yes. something. Yes, I could totally see that happening where like his personality <laughs> totally didn't change. He's still Tom Paris. Could not, not handle the, the bull haircut. Can, yeah. Just like, no, none of nope. this. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. I could totally see that happening. <laughs> Me too. That's great. Okay, how about another character? What about Saru? Now, Saru being a Kelpian, the first time we're seeing Kelpians on a Star Trek show. We don't completely know the reasons for that necessarily at this point. Well, but we could just yeah, we go do. in with the assumption that, you know what, they've always been around. Well, I think, um, I mean, well, I, I guess, okay, like, I guess before a couple of episodes ago, we knew is because they were a pre-warp civilization. Right. And that's why we never saw them. But now after the one of the one of the most recent episodes, they did, they're not exactly, they're not pre-warp. And, I mean, they're still pre-warp because they're... they're They don't have the technology, but anyway, it's a muddled situation. I think there's plenty of species out there that don't get mentioned because there's only so much time and like there's over a hundred worlds within the Federation and it's not like we know every single species within those hundred worlds. True, true. I mean, that's the logical explanation, sure. And so I think that right there is, is fine for not knowing, but like I love the idea of Saru being the the only of his species i think he would make a great wharf stand-in on tng okay do tell because if i need like if i needed to graft i'm gonna go with graft first okay instead of placing saru somewhere i think if we were going to graft some characteristics it would be on would be with wharf because you already have the he's the first member of his species in starfleet just like saru and the kelpians Uh uh-huh His uh, sibling and parental situation is totally weird, just (laughs) like Saru. Good point. And so I feel like you could keep Worf how he is, except change the species of, instead of making him Klingon, he is a, whether it's a Kelpian or somebody else, like he is an alien 
that is from a pre-warp civilization, you can keep everything else the same <laughs> except his, uh, except him being raised by humans and say, like, keep his station the same and say, like, okay, I am a, like, there's a, there's a reason why you've never heard of me or seen anybody like me is because I am special and was recruited by Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> And we get that short trek, right? With the Picard series yeah. coming out. Yeah. Where like Picard's on the Stargazer or something. He says like, oh yeah, you should totally. That would be totally really cool, actually. <laughs> For as much as we hear about the Stargazer, we've not seen much of the Stargazer. That would be pretty cool. So that's my idea for taking his storylines and putting him into a show would be grafting it onto the Worf character. That's so good. I can't top that. So <laughs> well, let's just say so, that's what it is. So where would you put Saru himself? Like no changing to his character. I kind of wonder, like I immediately thought DS9. A oh, fish yeah. out of water character, he would be a great fit there. He's got plenty of other characters to interact with. Quark, Odo, Odo. some more relatable than others. Yeah. I mean, like he could be best friends with Odo because of their situation like Odo's the only of his kind for a long time and he doesn't know his heritage my question though is what position would he serve on the station well I think because he's Saru it would have to be science but then what about Jadzia well I feel like I is she gone I don't think she's gone I think there's it's a big station and there's a lot of research going on and I never really felt like we needed just one science person you know, to be the to be the main contact. There's got to be, that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's just like, let, let Jadzia be science, let Saru be science. And like Jadzia goes, when Jadzia's on the Defiant, then Saru's, you know, on the station or vice versa. Or, you know, they can split the duties and split the research. It's a big station. That's true. And you bring that up as such a good point. I've never actually thought much about it, but there should be science teams Mm-hmm. And most of the time, we just see one or two people working together. I would love it if these, like, Jazzy is the head of the science team, but Saru is probably the next person down. And there's many other junior scientists studying the wormhole, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and even if we wanted to make them equal seniority, I mean, Jazia is the bridge officer for the science department, and Saru runs personnel. You know, oh, like, there it, you go. You know, it's just like, it's just something like, or vice versa, you know, because Jetsy is a little bit more personable, but it's just like something like that is, is that we can do because it's just a, when Jetsy is on the station, all, I mean, on the, in ops all the time, you know, it's not like she can be running reports or, or, or like doing personnel or like uh, making sure that she approves sick time, you know, and it's everything like that. So <laughs> I feel like there's right, a lot right. of stuff to expand. There's a lot of opportunity to do that. Yeah. I could see Saru kind of running the HR aspect of the science department and it strikes me that those two would work really well together. Now, one thing that I want to talk about before we move on to another character is the spore drive. Okay, do you want to put that on another ship? I want to say, like, how would, what show would be good to deal with the spore drive? Now, we know... I was really surprised to see them try to use the spore drive again in the last episode because I thought that we established that that was harming the universe. Right? Uh, I like, was too that they a were bit. in. I was just like, what is this? What the hell does this mean? Because we know that they're like damaging that other realm a right? great deal. Yeah, I thought that ultimate conclusion was going to be that that's why we're no longer using spore drives going forward because of the whole 
destruction. Yeah. yeah, like that's why the spore drive does not exist in the future. Okay, but you're going back on that now, huh? Yeah, that was really strange to me because it makes it makes sense to me. Like because we all knew that when we started Discovery and they did the spore drive, we're like, well, this is amazing technology, and since this is a prequel, there's going to be an obvious reason as to why they can't use it anymore. Right. And I thought that was going to be it. So I guess they're going to make it more plain later on. I'm not quite sure, but regardless, I think <laughs> let's go with that that method of it's damaging, and so we can't do it. We can't put it in Voyager. Because then they would just get home after one jump. <laughs> They'd have to develop it in season seven, ideally the latter half. Yeah. <laughs> or so, like it's the episode timeless. And so instead of the, uh, oh gosh, what is it? The transwarp? What, what do they call it? Slipstream. Slip oh my stream, gosh. Yeah. So many technical terms. <laughs> <laughs> instead of the slipstream drive, they're doing the spore drive and it fails oh. miserably. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that would that's the only way that we'd be able to put it in Voyager. I think that's I think great. So. It's just like it just replace the slipstream drive. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's way too unpredictable to make it work as an actual solution. But of course they've got to try because it's Voyager and their whole mission is to get home. But what if they tried it on Enterprise? Like they're oh, making damn. a massive leap. Okay, they have the warp five ship. That's great. Now there's suddenly a brand new technology where they could possibly go anywhere in the blink of an eye. I don't know. I, I feel like it's on Enterprise. There's so much emphasis on the Warp 5 engine that it would feel like after even experimenting with the idea of the Spore Drive, it makes it feel it makes the Warp 5 engine feel insignificant. Yeah, I'm thinking if they were to do this, it would have to be latter seasons. Uh, maybe like, is it some sort of consequence? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...of the Zindi arc, where somebody made a massive discovery and they think that's going to be an advantage going forward. I think, personally, I'd rather see it in TNG as a one-off episode because there was a horrible episode, I can't remember the name of it, where it established that they couldn't go beyond warp six. Oh, right, because it's destroying the environment. I think that was called Subspace. Force of Nature. Yeah, it was it was damaging subspace. Right. And it was their environmental episode. It was their going green episode. <laughs> yes. And it was so freaking stupid because they, like so many times, like when there was emergency, they're just like, all the, they had to insert this line every single time. They're like, we have permission from Starfleet to exceed warp limits. And I'm just like, oh, go screw yourself. This is so stupid. It didn't then, even matter. After and then Voyager came out and they're just like, oh, yeah, the engines go up. So that way it doesn't hurt subspace. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, right. God. 9.975. Let's go. So that's what I that's what I would say is that like there's so many episodes within TNG about experimenting with different kind of warp drives, like the Traveler episode, the um, the I can't remember the something wave episode where like uh, there was one where it was like some gravimetric wave that the ship would ride. Uh, instead of having warp engines, they would just like ride it like a magic carpet. Um, <laughs> there was that episode. That's what it looked like too. Now you um, got me thinking first contact. 
and then yeah, and then there's Force of Nature, like you t- like we talked about. So I feel like this would be a great avenue for TNG to experiment one more time, and then say like, nope, hmm. can't do it. Spore drive doesn't work. It damages the mycelial network. This Not is what Jordy and Data have been doing in their spare time for a little while, trying to develop like theoretically, is this possible? And then they have some sort of breakthrough. I'm actually stealing that from Threshold. Oh my god. And- <laughs> yeah. Neelix pours them a little more coffee and then they, oh my gosh, this could actually happen. I really could see that happening though. And as a one-off, it's a little disappointing just because the spore drive has been such a useful thing in Discovery. They're using it to its potential, but as a TNG or as a TNG episode, yeah, it would just be a one-off episode. It would absolutely just be a one-off episode. And so they'd have to do this really fast, do the test run, and then find out, oh, this destroys the species in this realm of space. Oh, we can't do that. Darn, yeah. shucky darn. Shucky darn, yeah. Uh, exactly, I think that's what would happen with the, the spore drive. And I think yeah. we don't really need to talk about the Klingon War because we've seen a Klingon War in Deep Space Nine. Right, as well as the original series. So, okay, that's done. Check. Check. Okay. What about Tilly? Tilly, Tilly, Tilly. Um... Well, we have Wesley. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she's a much better Wesley. I feel like she's one of the more versatile characters that could go on really any of the shows. As just the young, bright, eager, but sometimes awkward ensign. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really fair point. I think she's pretty universal that she would fit on any show. I think she would replace Wesley on TNG. Uh-huh. And we could pop, we could, if we wanted to graft the character, I think that's who we would graft it onto, or maybe a Nog character on Deep Space Nine, that kind of thing. But I feel like maybe every show but Voyager. What about Harry? What if she replaced him? I, I think she, Harry, I don't think Harry gets enough credit because, yes, he was a young ensign, but he was also very professional. Like, he was good at, he's, he was good as a, at his job he didn't have very mental personal relationship issues or anything like that he was he was hairy he was he didn't get promoted but with <laughs> tilly i feel like there's so much more going on where she's not an ensign yet you know like she she or she, at least she wasn't i can't remember now yeah she, what, she's an ensign as of the second season she got right, promoted right, at right. the very end of season one that's right. I keep. I always forget that. Um, so, like, I would like to see that storyline. I would like to see a cadet kind of transition into an ensign on the storyline, like we did with Wesley. And that's why I think, like, TOS, you could totally see it. Sure. Deep Space Nine. I could see it on Enterprise, where they're just like, okay, you're going to be the first. Like, you got the highest score on the test, and so you're going to be the the first ensign on a warp, uh, a, a first cadet in a warp five ship, and. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like I think, ooh, I think that's where I'd like to see it the, see her the most is, is is Enterprise. That yeah, that is interesting, and I think maybe the way I don't know things are running at that particular point in time is a little more suited to her personality because, as you pointed out with Harry, Tilly isn't quite as professional. She has to catch herself when she drops the f bomb, for instance. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's wicked smart. Mm-hmm. And she just needs to believe in herself a little more. And she's working on it. Yes, absolutely. And I'm one of those people who I like Tilly, but at the same time, I feel like there are certain times when I'm like, oh, okay, reel it in. Reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> she, 
Yeah, I mean, she kind of has that over-exuberance that can get a little grating after a little while. Mm -hmm. But I think we're going to see her mellow out as time goes by. We're going to see her become a more mature person. That's going to be fun. But she's not going to lose her spirit. And that's it's just going to be a more tempered Tilly. And I'm going to love her for that. You're 100% right. I think that is definitely going to be her arc. She's going to get more professional. She's going to get a little older, a little wiser. Right. She's going to live up to her potential. She will be a captain someday. So are we agreeing that um, if we were grafting, it would be Wesley? And if we were if we were popping her in, it would be Enterprise? Honestly, I could see either scenario working on TNG. She could replace yeah. Wesley. She could also just be Sylvia Tilly as a cadet kind of shadowing the main staff on the enterprise and learning from it some sort of weird internship i actually i think i would disagree with that one really i feel like i feel like enterprise would have a little bit more patience with uh with her personality because with tng i think that they would (laughs) they would treat her like barkley they would just be like oh my god okay you're gonna get tilly right jordy would hate tilly hate Tilly. Riker would hate Tilly. I think Troy would hate Tilly. I think Data would be the only one who would be who would find her fascinating. <laughs> Can you imagine I... Worf working with Tilly? My gosh. Oh, wow. Hmm. Now that's a thought. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't think this through, but... <laughs> hey, I, th- this is just one man's opinion. I mean, I yeah. I, but in, at the same time, like, yeah, they might hate her. That juxtaposition might be interesting because she's not quite a Barkley type, but they are going to find her annoying. Yeah. So you're right. Enterprise it is. That is going to be the better fit. Because <laughs> I could see Phlox really getting along with Tilly. I could see Trip getting along with Tilly. Yes. Um. I Oh, I could see Hoshi and... Mayweather, yeah, I could see, I could see them. Oh getting yeah, along the with conversations Paul. in the mess hall—they'd be fantastic. I think Archer and Paul would probably be the hardest ones to to get along with Tilly. Archer's going to be hard on her just to try and instill that professionalism aspect, I think. And mm-hmm. then Paul is just going to shake her head. I don't even <laughs> know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah, don't talk to me. Float away. Float away. Yeah. Uh, Poof. Be gone. Yeah, totally. But I can definitely see her nerding out with Trip. On engineering feats, absolutely. Having conversations with Hoshi and Phlox. I mean, going to Phlox for advice, those two? Oh, that's going to be some of the best stuff in the series. Yes, please. So who do we move on to next? Would it be Stamets? Let's do Stamets. That's who I was thinking of. This one is tough because Stamets is kind of a jackass. He can be, yeah. They definitely presented him that way <laughs> in season yes. one. He, he's definitely mellowed since season two like he's not yeah. so much of a jackass in season two but i remember his introduction in season one and i'm just like do we do they want the audience to like him right I mean, this guy is a huge jerk he really can be he's quite abrasive that said he knows the shit better than anybody where is he going to be a really good fit would he be a good counterpart some foil to Chief O'Brien on the station? Ooh, yeah. I could see that happening where he's on the station and it's kind of like a Saru Jadzia situation where it'd be Chief and and Stamets. Where, Maybe, um, ooh, what if Stamets is the chief engineer of the Defiant? Okay. But those two will have to intermingle a lot just 
being on I the station and whatnot. They have to work together, but O'Brien cannot stand this guy because he is such a jackass. I like that. I like that a lot. He's the chief engineer of the Defiant. But okay, at okay, at the same token though, I think we need people are going to be people are going to give us craft because Stamets is sci- is a scientist. He's not an engineer. True. And um what about the cloaking technology? What if he's a specialist in that? Maybe we adjust that a little bit. I think yeah, I think we could eh, I don't think that gives him enough to do because I really liked your idea of making him chief engineer of of the Defiant, but the thing is is that he's not a chief engineer. Of, yeah. of warp drive. And so if we wanted to just pop him in, we kind of need to keep him as a scientist. And so no. I feel like it'd be the Saru situation all over again. <laughs> and I don't... Uh. Yeah, we, we can't put everybody on DS9 doing science. Yeah. Hmm. What if he was in... Hmm. Because you can't replace... What if he was in Voyager? And huh. he's another scientist in Voyager. And... He like because we don't have a lot of abrasive people in Voyager. Mm, no, not really. I mean, we have Balana who would get hot headed sometimes, but she definitely mellowed. We had Seven, so I think that maybe that may be the situation. So like, Ooh. if we were gonna plop him in, he would kind of replace Seven, but we could graft him onto yes. Seven too. Yes, as that kind of abrasive, cold character, definitely you nailed mm-hmm. that. I think if we plopped him into Voyager, he would be. We would go back and forth with Seven and him, where instead, because you, you know how Balana and Seven had a very antagonistic relationship. Yeah, I think that would replace that. We'd keep Balana, of course, but the main antagonist relationship would be between Stamets and Seven. But if those two are both on the ship, is Seven running astrometrics, and then what is Stamets doing? Uh, I think uh, he could, if she was running astrometrics, I think he would be kind of the Wildman character. Hmm. Interesting. Just as moody, difficult, doesn't play well with other scientists. Yeah, I think he would just be the 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 science because like once Seven came around, we kind of we stopped seeing Wildman, and she was supposed to be in the science division, and we never really got that that main bridge officer that we see we saw every episode that was a scientist. So I think Stamets could easily fill that void as himself and keep Seven of Nine, and she would just be running astrometrics and doing the Borg stuff, and maybe he absolutely maybe he was like Bolana and absolutely hated all this board crap that she brought in and <laughs> hey maybe so yeah. maybe so maybe we write a different backstory for him where he like i don't a colber can't come with him because no. we can't have a doctor on voyager <laughs> we have already got one what if he lost Hugh to something like wolf 359 sort of like a jennifer cisco kind mm. of thing and so yeah. there's a lot of resentment about the borg and then all of a sudden, this this Seven of Nine character comes in and like, who do you think you are? Love it. And that's why Stamets didn't like Michael at first is because she was the mutineer and she yeah. was the reason why his ship, his science program on the Discovery got co-opted to be put into a war instead of just research. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. That works. I think that works. I think that works. Okay. So, Next. We don't have too terribly much next because really. we don't have that many main character. Like, here's the thing: is that like the bridge crew on Discovery is like you have one half. It's pretty much split into half. You have the main <laughs> people, and then you have people that we spend thirty seconds with if we're lucky every episode. Right. I mean, I think really, real quick, Colber could be Nurse Ogawa. 
Oh my gosh, perfect. Right, and then we're talking about his relationship with Paul. We're getting some gay representation on TNG, which we should have had. I think in this situation, Paul would be a civilian. Well, we don't know much about Paul. We don't have to. Sort of like how Nurse Ogawa, she's just with some dude that we hear little snippets of conversation about, but we don't ever see. I think that's even better. I think that's even better, yeah. But yeah, Yeah. so there's kind of that little bit of a bridge where we're talking about same-sex couples but we're not we're not going to go see them kiss or anything and we're not going to get too uh, you know crazy with 90s TV just because we hadn't really broken those barriers it's 90s, down yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I love the idea of Crusher and a Kohler together. I think they would make a oh, great team. That would be amazing. Maybe be even so better than Ogawa. Hate to say. As much as Hate I like Nurse say- Ogawa, but I love Hugh Kohler. I love that man. Yeah, I think yeah, that's great. I don't even want to think about anything else. I think that's okay. just that's just that's good. That's, that's done. All right. And I mean, yeah, the Klingons we can't really go into the Valk and type of thing. What about Ash Tyler? Oh yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Now this is a difficult one just because I mean he is connected to Valk in this really weird, twisted way. At this point in our Discovery Watch, he is a creature. He is neither really of these two. He's his own being. He's kind of a Tuvix character. I've heard some people reference on Twitter. He needs to figure out who he is. Do we put him in a Section 31 plot on DS9? I think, and stay with me, I think this would be a one-off story for TOS. Think so? You know what I'm thinking? Oh my gosh, that... that made a light bulb go off what if it's star trek 6 and this is a really desperate part of general chang and his Hmm. gang of people to infiltrate starfleet so instead of the uh oh geez i i'm totally blanking it's my favorite star trek movie and i can't (laughs) remember the character's name uh who are you thinking of the female vulcan valeris not Savic. Thank you. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Was supposed to be Savic, and then yeah, Christy Alley Lu- said no. Lieutenant, not Savic. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, and so I think instead of her character, it would be it would be Ash Tyler. With the complexity of this, used to be a Klingon, and they altered him so down to the bone to be a human that it was like pretty much un untraceable. And I think that's why my brain went to TOS first is because we saw that storyline in Trouble with Tribbles. Uh-huh. Where it was a Klingon disguised as a human. But that's this true. would be much more complex. And would that yeah. be too redundant then? Um, well, I mean, with kind of this weird twist, I mean, the lengths that they're willing to go to, I feel like that fits more with Star Trek Six. Like, just how deep does your hatred run? You are willing to give your entire self to do it. I feel like that would dominate the movie though, which is fine, which is fine. I don't think it would dominate. I think it would be a real just kind of shocker twist. Like, oh, wow. We're not going to get into too much detail on it. Like we're not going to discuss, we're not going to really get into the ins and outs of Valk and Ash. Just like they did this. They did this. All right. Wow. Okay. This goes even further than we thought they'd ever go in your version of undiscovered country is he unaware of it then oh that's a good question i think he would i think it would be the same as discovery i think he's unaware of it and he gets triggered and he has no idea what's going on and he oh. keeps and, and that's why they have a hard time finding him in discovery yeah. and 
and that's why because he's a because he doesn't even know that he is the mole right so okay he's the one who goes over onto the klingon ship and commits the assassinations and doesn't even know it was him yeah and so then when spock leads everybody on the mystery chase to figure out who the killer was and it leads to him and they're and he was like what and maybe even like spock mind melds with him and doesn't see anything oh oh actually i was thinking that would be the one way to figure it out but if he's so unaware i mean that would be kind of the way though is like you'd have to go that far deep into his consciousness to go into these weird hidden memories nobody's anticipating a, a melt mind meld with this guy well, okay. Let me let me take it. Um, okay, so in 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 the undiscovered country, I'm having a hard time speaking. Um, we see him with Valeris, and he has one hand on her head. Yeah. And he's not getting enough, and then he uses two hands. Uh-huh, now, uh-huh. this may sound stupid, and let me know if this sounds stupid. But what if the first time, like uh, the, it points to to Ash, he just uses one hand, and he's just like he's like no, he's he's just ash he's just he's he's not guilty but then more evidence as the movie goes on goes to ash and spock is just like okay let me try this again and kirk's like what's the point you've already melded with him he's like i need to go deeper and then he puts his hand both hands on him and he goes even deeper and we see what he sees and we see volk would that be a little redundant that's my only concern Totally possible. Yes, it depends on how they do it, but and it also might be a hint of lying to the audience. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. You know, that might make an interesting dynamic, though, where we like all the evidence is pointing to Ash, and so we think, well, come, come on, guys, this has got to be your person. And then Spock says, Nah, he's clean. So then mm-hmm. we think, well, who could it be then? And so then we, as an audience, in our heads. We're trying to turn somewhere else and we can't find a new direction on who we think the killer is. Yeah. But then it really was him all along. That's a kind of a cool twist. Yeah. Like that I think that's the thing. I think that would work. Yeah. And and you're right. I don't think it would have to dominate the episode. I think you're right. Yeah, that reverse psychology really kind of would be a nice little twister. What about Giorgio? Oh, hey. Let's keep let's keep her storyline the way that it is. Like, okay, so like so there is which like, one? The, not 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 Emperor Giorgio. Okay. Um, so Phil, Philippa Giorgio Prime. So what storyline would be interesting where we start with Giorgio for the first episode, but then she dies and we have to bring in a new captain? Would that work in TNG? Would that work in Voyager? Would that work in Deep Space Nine? Um, I mean, would that be <laughs> in TOS? Would it be like, oh my God, Pike is gone. Now Giorgio is gone. Who the hell are we going to get? And Kirk goes, I have an idea. <laughs> Flashbacks to Star Trek 09. I love it. I could see it working on Voyager. So in, so like maybe Janeway would be the first officer and Giorgio right. dies. And then with Janeway the has to step up. We've done scenarios where that happens. Like we that's totally how Janeway have, becomes yeah. the captain. So if we, that, okay. So that's what would happen if we transplanted her. What if we grafted her? Well, we can't graft her because they, she'd die. Well, yeah. I mean, and the thing is with the emperor, we can't. No. That Really, I mean, TOS would be the easiest thing for Mirror Mirror. but Well, I, DS9 had Mirror episodes too. So. That's true. I, I mean, I suppose she might fit there, but then the whole thing with Section 31... I mean, they're so setting up for the spinoff. At this point, yeah. I just kind of want to see where that goes and leave it be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not excited for that spinoff. But 
I'm sure yeah. it'll be great. I yeah, I I don't know how I feel about it either, but I'm willing to give it a chance just like with Discovery. You of know, it was course. never the show that I would have said, "Yeah, let's do that." But there's times when Discovery really surprises me. So, you know, got to go in with an open mind. Okay, so like, yeah, I think that's the only way that we could make Philippa work is if we put her, I think that's the best way is put her in Voyager, she dies with the caretaker, Janeway steps in and takes over. Yeah. Cool. There we go. Anybody we go. else you want to cover before we wrap the show up? Uh, one thing that we forgot to mention is that this idea, we think, we and you have to forgive our memories, this idea was presented to us uh, via Twitter, but we cannot find the tweet. We cannot find the individual who suggested this show topic. So we very much apologize if you've been listening to this episode and you're just like, hey, we didn't, I didn't get a mention. What the heck, Tristan and Shar? Uh, we do apologize, but if you could email us or tweet us again, say, hey, raise your hand, it was me, uh, we will definitely mention you on the next show. Yes, it's our fault. We suck. It's just <laughs> so far back in our mentions at this point, we couldn't find it as we were just about to start the show. So please let us know who you are and let's give you the credit you deserve. Absolutely. And uh, as we talked about before, make sure to go to thenerdparty.com. If you want to write us an email, uh, you can do that by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact. Select punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email. Or you can find us personally on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at the insane Robin. You can find me at Oh the Profanity. And you can find us all over social media as, uh, as a network by searching uh, the Nerd Party on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can find us or just by going to thenerdparty.com. Now, next week, I'm excited because no matter what we talk about, it's going to be great. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be fun. And we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the Nerd Party. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.